Well, good morning. It is so good to see you guys here in Maryville. It's so good to see and have everybody at our Bearden location this morning. Excited about what God is going to do today. So happy Thanksgiving to everyone. Hope this week is a great week for your family and friends and wherever you are going and doing. And as we wind down 2021 and gear up for 22, I I thought it would be helpful as we start this brand new series that we're calling Make It Count. And I thought it would be helpful for us to start with a good question here. And the question I want you to think about today is, what do you need most in your life? Some of you could probably answer that pretty quickly today, but as you walk in here and as you're kind of examining uh, this past year, as you're kind of getting and gearing up for this next year to come, what do you need most? And I say need because I know it's the Christmas season, right? And you've probably made your Christmas list and there's a lot of ones on that list and your kids are making that list. But I don't want you to think about necessarily what you want as much as what you need, Right? In other words, if Jesus walked into the room today and he came up to you and, and he said, hey, what, do you, what would you like for me to do for you today? How would you respond? Now, I think there are a lot of people uh, that are listening today that really have no idea what you need most because you've lost your vision for your life. You've lost God's vision for your life. And so much craziness has happened over the last couple of years with COVID and quarantine and uh, government, political issues, all these different things that are happening. And, And as a result of this turmoil, so many people have lost their vision for their career. Maybe you've lost your vision for your family and how you're supposed to raise your kids and what the purpose of you and your wife are are really actually doing together. Some of you have lost your your vision for your finances and you're just throwing money away down this black hole of just, you know, subscriptions and things that you don't really need and, and not really focused and dialed in on what God's vision for your finances should look like. So many are, are not really uh, understanding, they don't really see God's vision for their health. Uh, we know drug addiction is up over the last year. Uh, alcohol abuse is up over the last year. And as a result, I, I just sense that so many people have just lost their, their vision for their health and how God wants us to take care of our bodies. So many, I think, uh, right now just feel like things are out of control. Out of control in the government, out of control in the economy and inflation and so many things that, that are going on and It's easy for us just to kind of sit back and feel like a pawn in this situation. Oh, I can't do anything. I can't change anything. It's easy for us to get really frustrated and angry. And I would say, why? Why is that the case? And I would would suggest today that perhaps the reason why you feel this way is because you've lost God's vision for your life. You've lost what God is doing and wants to do in and through your life. You can't see your way through this uh, challenging situation or challenging circumstances that you're facing because you've lost God's vision. Now, uh, you remember Helen Keller, the famous uh, Christian and philanthropist, and she was born both uh, blind and she was born deaf. And so she was asked by a reporter one day, Uh, Isn't it a great tragedy to be born blind? And do you remember how she responded? I love it. She said, it's a greater tragedy to have eyes and not see. You see, the truth is so many in this room, you have eyes, 
but you can't see. You can't see God's vision. You're not tracking with God's vision today. You're not worried about God's direction or vision for your life, right? You're, you're, you don't have a vision for your career. You're just running and gunning and running the rat race. You don't have a vision for your future, your family. And, and, and so much of what we're experiencing today with feeling like life is out of control is a result of, of losing sight of that vision. I love what the wisdom in Proverbs chapter 29, verse 18 says, where there is no vision, the people perish. Right? And so when we, when we see this, this, this phrase, where there is no vision, the people perish, this, this word vision is the Hebrew word hazan, and it literally means a dream. So when there is no dream, when there's no vision, when there's no direction and, and focus of your life, when you don't know God's dream for you, the people perish. Now, the Hebrew word for perish is the word parat, and it means out of control. So literally out of control. So when there's no dream from God, when there's no vision from God, when you're not pursuing that vision, the people feel like life is out of control. And I would say that that kind of sums up where a lot of us are. We just feel like things are out of control, out of my control. And so we're, 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 we're not focused on God's vision. We're not thinking about it. We don't even know what God's vision is for our marriage, our kids, our finances, our health, our ministry. And so today we're gonna start a brand new sermon series called Make It Count. Really, we're, we're picking up and continuing our theme from, from last year. And because the same can be true of, of an individual as, as we are pursuing God's vision for our life individually. We also know that God has a vision and a plan and a direction and opportunities for us corporately as a church. And so let's make it clear that whatever God is calling you to do and whatever vision and dreams he's giving to you and your family to accomplish, like we have to remember that those things also intersect with God's church. And so it's important that we understand how God designed us and how together we are accomplishing the great commission. And so for the next three weeks, we're gonna be asking the question, how can we make our life count? We don't wanna waste our life. We wanna make it count. And every year at this time, uh, I ask everyone who calls Foothills their family, Foothills their home, uh, that you would pray about and participate in the vision offering. Uh, we're not a church that collects an offering every month or you know, sporadically throughout the year. Uh, we, don't, we don't do building campaigns. Uh, essentially, I, I teach uh, principles of, of how to live a generous life from, from God's word, how to be a consistent giver. I think that's the best way that, that we can handle our finances. And then uh, once a year, we rally around the vision and direction, the next step uh, that we believe God is leading us as a church. And so we ask you to particip participate in this uh, vision offering. And so uh, today we're gonna be looking at a man who is asked this question, what do you want me to do for you? And so as we think about that question today, I suggest that your answer is not just a whimsical, like, well, I need more money or I need a new job or I need to get married or I need a girlfriend. How about you start with that? Like we're, we're instead of going to that level, this is a deeper question. This really gets under our skin, into our heart, because the greatest thing that you need today from Jesus are the things that are gonna allow you to make the biggest and greatest impact for the kingdom of God. And so what does that look like? And, 
And Jesus is asking a man by the name of Barnabas this question. If you have your Bibles, let's turn to the Gospel of Mark, chapter 10. And uh, as you are turning there, let me give you a little bit of history or a little bit of context about this particular passage. So Jesus is, this is the last week of his life. He's on his way to Jerusalem. And as he's going to Jerusalem, he's stopping at various cities along the way. And uh, he, he's, he's followed by a large crowd. So people are crowding in on him. Everybody wants to be near him. Everybody wants to be around him. And he comes to the city of Jericho and um, he's got a lot on his mind. How many of you guys have a lot on your mind today? There's a lot on your mind, heavy on your mind. All right, me too, got a lot on my mind. Uh, but then I'm, I'm reminded that Jesus had a lot on his mind this week as we look at this passage because he's about to be arrested He's about to go to the cross and be crucified. Three days later, he raises from the grave and he's got a lot on his mind. This is the biggest moment of his life so far. And he's got a lot on his mind. He walks through the city gates. Every city had a wall and and gates. And as he walks through, um, it would have not been uncommon in the first century for beggars to be there. All the newcomers come into the city asking for money. And so in this case, there are many people begging at the city gates. One of them uh, is a man who is blind and his name is Barnabas, and what happens to him on this day is a miracle. Let's take a look at it, beginning in verse 46. It says, and they came to Jericho, and as he was leaving Jericho with his disciples and a great crowd, Barnabas, a blind beggar, the son of Timaeus, was sitting by the roadside. And when he heard that it was Jesus of Nazareth, he began to cry out and say, Jesus, son of David, have mercy on me. And many rebuked him, telling him to be silent. But he cried out all the more, son of David, have mercy on me. And Jesus stopped and said, call him. And they called the blind man saying to him, take heart, get up, he's calling you. And throwing off his cloak, he sprang up and came to Jesus. And Jesus said to him, what do you want me to do for you? There's the question. And the blind man said to him, rabbi, let me recover my sight. And Jesus said to him, go your way. Your faith has made you well. And immediately he recovered his sight and followed him on the way. I love this story. I love as we look at this and we're asking the question, like, I don't wanna waste my life. I wanna make it count. What I want us to do today is, is, is get our vision back. Barnabas needed his physical vision, but he also needed healing spiritually. He needed healed physically, but he also needed healed spiritually because he needed to know Jesus. He needed salvation. And and so no matter what your needs are today, all of us, I pray, will ask this question, like how can I get God's vision for my life? How can I make it count? And to do that, we've got to look to Jesus, right? This is his example. In this story, here's what we learn. Jesus was willing to hear the cries of the hurting. And if you wanna make it count in your life, if you don't wanna, if you don't wanna waste your life, this has gotta become a habit in your life that you're able and, and willing to hear the cries of the hurting. There are cries all around us. There are cries all over this city, huge crowds around Jesus, lots of needs around Jesus. And yet he hears one man cry out to him on this day. I wonder, and I wanna ask you this question, Are you listening to the cries of the hurting around you? We've got so many needs in this city. We've got so many things that you could be a part of 
to make a difference. And I think some of us are just so good at complaining and we're really terrible about doing. And I think it's time for us to pull back the complaints and the tweets and the Facebook posts. And it's, it's, it's more, uh, and, and, and it's time for us to become the hands and feet of solutions to help the needs of the people in our city. Um, an NPR article this week said that for the first time in our country's history, more than 100,000 Americans died from drug overdose. It's the first time it's ever been that high according to the Centers for Disease Control and Prevention. That's more deaths than were caused by guns and car crashes combined in the last 12 months. Did you know that Tennessee is ranked third in the country for prescription drug abuse? A lot of needs and hurts in our community. According to the Tennessee Bureau of Investigation, approximately 70,000 Tennesseans are addicted to opioids today. Our state is seeing epidemic levels, right, of drug addiction, overdoses, and deaths. According to a recent study from 24-7 Wall Street, the volunteer state has the 10th highest rate of divorce in the nation. WBIR on November 3rd posted an article that reminded us that November is National Adoption Month and in an effort to increase awareness and support for um, those in our community that need this, the article said that there are over 8,000 children who are in the foster care system at any given time in our state. They said that currently there are over 400 children who are eligible for adoption today. Through this series, we want to help you become aware of the cries of our community. We wanna help you become aware and we wanna give you opportunities to actually make it count and make it different. And as a church, God wants us to be a part of this. God wants us, he is calling us to listen to those cries and to fill in those gaps. I could go on and on about the needs of the teenagers in this community. I can go on and on about the needs of the marriages in this community and those who are single in this community who are hurting and have multiple needs. Part of our vision for 2021 is that we begin to look towards and begin to think about what it looks like for our church to solve these issues and problems. Every week we get call after call after call after call. Can you help me? I need counseling. I'm, I'm, I'm struggling with drugs, my marriage is struggling, my teenager is struggling with this or with that, what do I do, I need help. And so our pastors do all we can, but we can only help a few. And so what we have to do is we have to outsource. We outsource to counseling centers, um, not really locally because there aren't really any, nothing that could even come close to the need. And so we outsource to counseling groups in, Christian counseling groups in, Knoxville, and then they call, and then they have to wait four and five weeks before they can get in. Why? Because the need is so great. So part of what I have mentioned in the past, but never really, really made this a point of like, this is what's next for our church, uh, is that I didn't feel like we were ready, but now I feel like, and, and, and impressed by God, that this is our next step. We need to buy land so that we can build a counseling center and begin to meet those needs in this city for the next hundreds of years because the needs are not getting less, they're getting greater. Um, being able to buy land, build a counseling center also helps solve our issue here at the Maryville location, which is a, a need for parking and space to park as people are coming onto this campus. And so 
Um, why not us? Why not step into this now? Why, why, why wouldn't we have a biblical-based counseling center recognizing the needs are so great and so many and that we could step into this and, and, and allow these needs to be met? I think God's calling us to, and I wanna invite you to join me to be able to accomplish this for our community. This is just a piece of what I believe God is doing. Now, when Jesus is walking into this, he's listening and he's hearing the cry of a man who is hurting. And the cry comes like this, son of David, have mercy on me. Now, why does that particular statement get Jesus's attention? Lots of people around him. Uh, you don't, we're not gonna read this, but write this down. If you're taking notes, 2 Samuel 7, verses 12 through 16 is a prophecy that, that God gives to King David and it is partially fulfilled by his son Solomon, but it is ultimately fulfilled in Jesus Christ, the Messiah. And so when Bart, I'm just gonna call him Bart for short, when, when Bart is crying out to the son of David, he's, he's, he's saying that I believe you're the Messiah. I believe you are the one that was sent by God to save us. And so Jesus hears that. Jesus hears that, yes, this man is crying out to me in faith. He believes that I'm the son of He believes that I am the Christ. He believes I'm the Messiah. And so let me just say this. If you're gonna get God's vision for your life, it's gonna require faith. And faith always gets God's attention. If you're gonna step out, if you're gonna do something for the Lord, if you're gonna to try to do something that God is calling you to do and to be a part of something bigger than yourself, it's gonna require faith to do it because you're ill-equipped, you don't have enough money, you don't have enough resources, you don't have enough talent, you don't have what it takes apart from Jesus. And I can say that with 100% um, like I'm with you because that's me. We can't do anything apart from Christ. I, I don't have what it takes. I don't have the, the, the right you know, pedigree. I don't come from the right family. I don't have, no, 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 no. But, but faith always gets God's attention. And what he calls us to, he equips us to. And so he equips us along that journey. But I also know this, what happens when Bart cries out to Jesus, son of David? Look at it again in the Bible. The next verses say the guys around him tell him basically to shut up. <laughs> Who are you, man? Be quiet. You can't do this. Quit talking. Nobody's gonna pay attention to you, right? So what happens when you have faith that gets God's attention and you step out to make a difference? Here's what I know always happens. Faith always attracts negative voices. Faith always attracts the critics. Faith always attracts the naysayers in your life. When you step out in faith, you're gonna hear people criticize you. You're gonna hear people say you're not good enough. You're gonna hear people say you can't start that business. You can't make that money. No, you can't do it that way. On and on and on, you're gonna hear people tell you that you can't do something. And so you're gonna have to make a decision in that moment, am I just gonna sit here? Am I just gonna stay in this box? Or are you gonna have the grit and the tenacity and the focus to say, forget these people. I don't care what they say. I'm gonna do what God tells me to do. Listen, if you're a leader, you are going to face Monday morning quarterbacks. You're gonna face criticism. They might be your family. They might be people that say they're your friend. It might be people in the community that you don't even know about, but they're posting it on social media and you have to deal with it. You know why? Because people love to be critics. And anytime you step out in faith for God 
Anytime you try to accomplish something for God's glory, there will be negative criticism about you. And you're going to have to decide, do I care about what they think or do I care about what Jesus thinks? You're going to have to have the grit. God's calling you to have the tenacity, to have the courage and the boldness to forget about it. In 10 years, you're not even going to remember what those people said, by the way. They don't know your heart. They don't know your motivation. They don't, they don't know what you're trying to do. You don't, they don't know what God is doing in your heart. So you've got to be able to block that out and move forward. And that's exactly what we see Barnabas do. He says, Jesus, have mercy on me. Here's what I think he knows. He knows Jesus is the answer. He knows Jesus is the hope that he has. The answer is not in what your friends think. The answer is not what social media thinks. The answer is what Jesus knows and what Jesus is telling you to do. We've got to start here. We've got to start like Barnabas, recognizing that Jesus is the answer. Well, not only does Jesus actually listen to the cries of the hurting, but here's another point that I think is important. He's willing to interrupt his busy schedule to listen. And if you want to make it count, you want to waste your life, you've got to be willing to interrupt your busy schedule and listen. See, I, I think the, the reality is there are a lot of people in the room that are talented enough, you're equipped, you've got resources, and you even kind of sense God is calling you to do something. But the reason why you haven't is because you're too busy. The reason why you haven't engaged the mission of God, the reason why you haven't stepped into God's vision for your life is simply because you're too busy building your kingdom instead of thinking about God's kingdom. I think there's a big difference between your vision for your life and God's vision for your life. I believe God has a plan for you. He's got a direction for you. He wants you to discover how you're gifted and he wants you to get involved and impact the kingdom of God. If it's just your dream, if it's just your vision, it's just what you want to accomplish, you won't make it count. You won't make a difference because it's just selfish motivation. What God is calling you to do has to impact the kingdom of God in some way. And so I think if we're so busy building and and, and moving and doing what we think is important for our own needs and we're neglecting what God is asking us to do, you're wasting your life. You've heard this quote before. People may spend their whole lives climbing the ladder of of success only to find once they reach the top that the ladder is leaning against the wrong wall. And some of us are there. What ladder are you trying to climb? What success ladder are you on today? If you get to the top of that ladder, are are you gonna finally feel good about yourself? Are you finally gonna feel like you have the marriage that you've always dreamed of? Are you finally gonna provide like you think you're going to provide? Are you gonna have the relationships in your life that you're hoping to have? You see, I think so many people have a misplaced hope in the room. And that misplaced hope is in the hope that when I get success, then I'm gonna be happy. Oh, when I accomplish that, I'll finally feel good about myself. I'll finally have confidence. I'll finally prove to my spouse that I am good enough for her. Like on and on, we're, we're dreaming about accomplishing things because we have placed our hope in them. And, and we know this to be true when we read the scriptures. All of those things are empty promises. Success 
is, is not gonna bring you peace or joy. More money is not gonna bring you peace and joy. It's not gonna make your marriage better. No, the only person that we can put our hope in is Jesus himself. It is only when we are going and running after him and pursuing him, does he fulfill his promises in and through our life. When you put your hope in something that lets you down, you're gonna get discouraged. And that's what we're experiencing, I think, and in this room, there's, just, there's, there's a lot of people. I think the number one thing the enemy can do in your life to wreck your life, you ready for this? Listen, the number one thing the enemy wants to do in your life is not hook you on drugs or get you involved in criminal activity. The number one thing the enemy can do to knock you out is to discourage you, discourage you. Because when you are discouraged, you've lost your hope. And people that have lost their hope have lost their impact. And so many of us, man, we have lost the hope that we have in Jesus. You're discouraged. And when you're discouraged, you're distracted. When you're discouraged, you're angry. When you're discouraged, you're focused on all the negative, critical things that are happening and we lose sight of God's vision for our life. And so we've got to put our hope in the one thing, the one thing that will allow your life to matter. The one thing that allows you and I to actually make a difference in this world. And it's not money, it's not success, it's not relationship. His name is Jesus. So on this day, Jesus is a week away from being arrested. He's a week away from dying on the cross. And he stops because he hears. He stops and he listens. And if he would have decided not to listen, if he would have decided just to keep on walking that day, we would have not batted an eye. We wouldn't have held it on him. We wouldn't have thought poorly about him. Or we wouldn't even have thought about it. But he doesn't. He stops and he listens and he's willing to hear what's going on in Bartimaeus's life. And so he comes and, 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 and he hears the cry and he says, uh, uh, call him to come here, right? He tells Bartimaeus to come here in, in verse 49. Now this is important, don't miss this because some of us just wanna cry to Jesus and we don't wanna get off our mat and come to Jesus. We, we, we wanna cry to Jesus because we have a lot of things we want him to do but we don't really want Jesus. You see, the difference for Bart is that he decides to get up and go to Jesus. That was the moment right there. That was the moment where the rubber meets the road. Jesus, I need you. Jesus, save me. Jesus, Jesus, Jesus. Tell him to come here. Oh, I'm not gonna come there. I'm blind, I can't see. <laughs> I can't go. If I get up in front of everybody, then they're gonna be looking at me and I'm not comfortable in front of people. And, I don't wanna put myself out there. If I put myself out there and it, he doesn't do something for me, then I'm gonna look like an idiot. I don't wanna look like an idiot. So I'm just gonna stay seated right here. You see, that's, that's the difference between a guy like Barnabas and some of us today. We wanna cry to Jesus, but we don't want Jesus. And he's calling you to pursue him, to come to him. You've got to come to Jesus first if you're ever gonna experience the blessings that Jesus wants to give to you. So he comes, Jesus asks him the question, what do you want me to do for you, right? And I love that because yes, he's listened, but yes, he's willing to do what? He's willing to serve this man right here, right now. 
See, we think serving needs to be hundreds, thousands, lots of followers, everybody look at me and I'm gonna do this great grand thing. The model that Jesus gives to us in this story is pretty simple. Be willing to serve even one person, one person. Are you willing to lay down your schedule and say, you know what, man, I just, I'm, I'm willing to serve even one person. I just wanna do my part. And you see, when you serve one person, when you're willing to take that step, you're making a difference in that person's life. We overcomplicate it. In fact, in this same chapter, the disciples complicated it as well. Um, you know, the, the, the big three, Peter, James, and John, this was the inner circle of Jesus, the best of the best leaders, the best friends with Jesus, spent the most time with Jesus, right? So one day, James and John, they come up to Jesus. Uh, earlier in the Bible, they're called the sons of thunder. So they have a good reputation. These are leaders. These are men, men, right? They get it. They're disciples of Jesus. They're leaders. They come up to Jesus and like, hey, Jesus, can we have a conversation? We gotta, we gotta ask you a question, right? So they pull Jesus aside and Jesus says, what would you like for me to do for you? It's the same exact question that he asked Bart a few, min, few moments later. Could have been the same day, maybe it was a day or two. We don't, we don't really know the time frame, but it's in the same general time frame. Jesus is asking the same question to two different people, right? Two guys who were tracking, should, you know, these are amazing leaders. These are, they, they love Jesus, right? They've been with Jesus, they've seen the miracles. Jesus, come here, we gotta ask you a question. She's like, hey, what, what can I do for you? Look at the verse a little bit before our passage, verse 37. They say, grant us to sit, one at your right hand and one at your left in your glory. <laughs> okay, let me translate this. Jesus, come here, we got something big to talk about. Come over here, come here, come here, come here, come here. Come here. Listen, hey, so we've been talking. We got this thing that we wanna ask you. Jesus is like, yeah, anything for you guys. You're my, you guys are my boys. You're my inner circle. What can I do for you? Yo, in heaven, we want the best seats. <laughs> the best seats. Can you imagine the disappointment that Jesus is feeling in that moment? <laughs> Probably like many of, many of the parents in, in the room. <laughs> we think we're doing a good job with our kids and they do something really stupid. And you're just like, oh my gosh, I'm a, I'm a failure, you know? I can see Jesus like having this moment like, what? You don't even know what you're, that's the best seat in heaven. Elsewhere in the New Testament, Jesus actually has already said like the 12 apostles, you guys are gonna sit on the 12 thrones in my kingdom. And so they're gonna have a great seat, but that wasn't good enough. They want the best seats. Jesus, can I have the left side? That's kind of my bet. Well, actually, no, I want the right. Let, let John have the left. That'll be good. Can you, can you do that for us, Jesus? It was really revealing an ego, very selfish, very selfish motivation here. But just like Jesus always does in the New Testament, he doesn't take this opportunity and he doesn't ignore it. He actually takes it to teach us one of the greatest lessons you and I will ever learn. If you're in business, if you're new to Christianity, if you're new to church, this is the greatest business principle in the history of the world. It's the greatest marriage advice you'll ever receive. It's the greatest parental advice you will ever live in. Jesus makes it really clear. It's hard to do, but here's what he says. Whoever would be great among you must be your servant. 
And whoever would be first among you must be slave of all. (laughs) That's the secret. (laughs) Jesus says, look, in this world, if you read the whole passage, he says, when leaders get, get, get lead, become leaders, they lord it over. In other words, they take advantage of their power, they take advantage of their authority, they take advantage of it for their own personal gain and their own personal wealth, and they lord it over all the, the smaller people, right? Not so with you, he says, not so with you. In my kingdom, the greatest among you is servant of all servant of all. And he says, here's the deal, guys. I want you to know something. For even the son of man, he says, me, I came not to be served, but to serve. Look at what I've done for you. Look at, look at how, what I've modeled to you and how I've been leading you for the last three years. Not to be served, but to serve and to give his life as a ransom for many. I am serving, I am I am giving my life as a ransom. In other words, I am buying your salvation because I'm gonna go on the cross, he says, and die for your sins. That's what's gonna bring you forgiveness. That's gonna bring you freedom. That's gonna lead you to an understanding of how to make your life count. When you wrap your mind in, 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 in thoughts and resources and time and your talents around the vision that I have for you, he says, you've got you've to be willing to hear the cries of your neighbors. There are a lot of hurting people out there. I know you're hurting too. I know there's a lot going on and we're all struggling. We got issues. But Jesus says the healing power of the Holy Spirit is when we're willing to hear the cries of the hurting when you and I are willing to listen, not just show up and say, we know how to fix this. Here, you gotta do this, 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 and here's some money and blah, blah, and then we're out so we can get back to our, no, we listen to people, listen to those hurts. And then we actually serve them. We actually serve them. Imagine how your life would be different in 2022 if you followed this three-step plan this, this three-step plan that Jesus says, look, this is what's gonna bring not only your vision back, but this is what's gonna bring you hope. This is what's gonna bring you joy. This is what's gonna bring you encouragement. This is what's gonna bring you to the place where you finally understand what I've called you to do. This is how you make your life count, right? This is, this is how you do it. In verse 52, after he asked for, for healing, Jesus says, go your way, your faith has made you well. And immediately he recovered his sight. And listen, look at it again. He followed him. He followed him. Now, some cases, Jesus healed people. They took off, they ran. You never saw him again. But Bart, man, he got it. He was healed. And the scripture said he began to follow Jesus from that moment on. He was with him. It wasn't just Jesus, give me something you know, give me that magic potion, that silver bullet to fix this issue so that I can get back to my job, my deal, what I want. No, he was like, I'm coming to you, Jesus. Have mercy on me. He receives the healing and he gives his life to Jesus. He follows him. His faith, Jesus said, healed him 
Immediately he received his sight and followed him. And I just wonder, are you actually following Jesus today? I mean, that's step one, isn't it? Are you following Jesus? Are you following your own personal desires and needs or have you really come to Jesus like Bart and said, have mercy on me, a sinner. Have mercy on me, Jesus, I give you my life. Some of you are following Jesus, but, but it's really all about you. It's really all about you and it's all about what you want and it's all about kind of what you're focused on and it's all about all the frustration in your life. You've lost your vision. Would you in this series begin to open your heart to the movement of God and say, God, show me. God, show me your vision for my life. And would you be willing to humble yourself before him and say, I'll follow you and I'll do whatever it is you're calling me to do. Let me ask you to bow your heads. I believe it's time for you to get your vision back. It's time for you to grow spiritually. It's time for you to take this next step. And in this moment, I just wanna ask you to open your heart to God and just say, God, what do you have for me? What do you want me to do? Give me that vision, restore that vision in my life that I can sense and see what it is you're asking me to do. As I pray, you pray, God, we wanna ask those in the room that have never given their life to you, would you open their heart, Lord? Help them to sense and feel your spirit calling them to salvation. Lord, for those in the room that know you, but they've lost their way, God, would you, would you restore that vision to them? Would you bring them back? God, would you give them that clarity? And Lord, would they have the courage to step forward in the things and direction that you're calling them to do? Putting the criticism aside, plowing through it because they have, a, they have a savior who loves them and a calling and a purpose that is a burden on their heart. Give us strength. Give us wisdom. We love you, Jesus. And it's in your name we pray. Amen. Thank you for listening to this sermon from Foothills Church. If you made a decision to follow Christ while listening today, or if you have some more questions about what that looks like, then let us know. You can text FC Decision to 97000, or you can head over to foothillschurch.com slash decision. We hope you have a great week.